The reading from God's Word this morning is taken from 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1. We're going to read verses 1 through 12. Should be 1 through 12. <clears throat> and we'll be looking at verses 10 through 12 specifically today. 1 Peter 1 beginning at verse 1. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who are elect exiles of the dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father in the sanctification of the Spirit for obedience to Jesus Christ and for sprinkling with his blood May grace and peace be multiplied to you. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold, that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not see him, though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith the salvation of your souls. Concerning this salvation, the prophets who prophesied about the grace that was to be yours searched and inquired carefully, inquiring what person or time the Spirit of Christ in them was indicating when he predicted the, so the sufferings of Christ and the subsequent glories. It was revealed to them that they were not serving not themselves, but you, in the things that have now been announced to you through those who preached the good news to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things into which angels long to look. This is the word of the Lord. We've been reading in these verses the first major section of Peter's letter. It's always important when you're studying the Bible uh, to break it down into sections uh, and to let those sections have their message and then build upon those sections as you move from one to the other. Peter has been talking to uh, his <clears throat> readers because they were believers who were, as he says, scattered. They were the dispersion. They were scattered across these different areas of northern 
Asia Minor, or today modern Turkey. Some were Jews, some were Gentiles, and they had all come to faith in Christ and represented the church, the churches in that area. But they were going through some very difficult times. They were being uh, persecuted, uh, not as strongly as possible yet, but they were receiving varying degrees of trials and sufferings because of their faith in Christ. We can, we can leave Jesus out of our lives when we're out in the world if we want to, and nobody will know the better, but that's not what God's called us to do. He's called us to be salt and light. And so they were doing that, <clears throat> and they were getting uh, backlash from that. They were getting pushback, as we say. People were giving them a hard time. They were saying bad things about them. They were doing bad things about them. And in the context there, historically, it was going to get worse. Uh, right now, at this point, probably the persecutions from the Roman Empire had not uh, grown that intense, but they were coming. And that was one reason I said that I wanted to go through 1 Peter with you is because it could well be that we are going to face increasingly a great pushback on our faith. And it may even come to the point to where that rejection or that persecution will come at the hands of our own government. Now, I'm not trying to, you know, uh, be, a, a, as I said before, a gloom and doom guy, because ultimately we don't have any reason to have gloom and doom. But for a while, it could get really rough. Whether it does or not, we need to be ready for whatever God brings into our lives, whatever challenges might be presented to you about your faith in Christ. And so we're arming ourselves, equipping ourselves through the Word of God, particularly right now through 1 Peter. Now, we looked at uh, one major section here, verses 3 through 12, and we said that it had three parts to it. We looked at the first two already. Let me just remind you of those. The first two told us that we can praise God now. Remember verse 3 says, blessed be God, praise God. We can praise God because we have a new life. We've been born again, he says. And that first section we saw, verses 3 through 5, says that we can praise God for the security of the new life that we have. He, sees, he gives us all kinds of encouragements there in those verses uh, that we have this inheritance and that it's reserved in heaven for us if we know Christ, the security of the new life we have in the Lord. Secondly, we saw in verses 6 through 9, we can praise God for this new life because of the, uh, for the suffering that enriches that new life. The suffering that enriches that new life. Security, suffering. Might be a, a surprise to many. But God allows suffering in our lives for constructive purposes that will bring glory to Him and will be good for us in the end. And now today we look at uh, verses <clears throat> 10 through 12. We can praise God again because we have the Scriptures which teach us about this new life. Security, sufferings, Scriptures. Three reasons why we can praise God in spite of our sufferings because of this wonderful new life that we have, being born again by the grace and power of God. So let's take a look 
at what Peter says here about the scriptures and their role in our lives as believers in Christ. Two things here that, that um, come out uh, of these three verses. The first is that the Old Testament scriptures were God's provision for his people then. God's provision for his people in Old Testament times. God provided his people the word of God, primarily through the prophets. <clears throat> and so he mentions the prophets there. Concerning this salvation, the prophets who prophesied about the grace that, will be, that was to be yours searched and inquired carefully, inquiring what person or time the Spirit of Christ in them was indicating when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the subsequent glories. The purpose of the prophets, a lot of times we think of the prophets as, oh, those are the people that foretold the future. They were the ones that predicted things that would happen in uh, later times. Well, their, their job was not just to foretell. Sometimes they did that. But their main job really was to forth-tell, tell forth, declare the Word of God to the people. They didn't have all the written scriptures, of course, at that point. And so God spoke directly to prophets who in turn passed on the messages to uh, the people of Israel. And the passage here tells us that these prophets told them of God's grace. The grace that was coming to the people in Peter's time. Get these all linked up. We're, we're seeing how in the Old Testament times God spoke to the prophets. And one of the things that happened in those messages was that they applied to people that would be living in Peter's time in the New Testament. They applied to the Old Testament saints as well, of course, but in a more limited way, as we'll see. And so in Peter's time, the prophecy, I mean, in uh, the prophet's time, the prophecies often had to do, well, in one way or another, they all had to do with Christ. And you notice it says here, the spirit of Christ. What a tremendous thing to say about the Old Testament. Sometimes we think, oh, Jesus is not in the Old Testament. He's in the New Testament. Jesus is all over everything in the Bible, including the Old Testament. Now, you and I really are thinking about this in December, aren't we? We think about these Old Testament prophecies about the coming of Christ. Very specific, born of a virgin, born in Bethlehem. And that happened 700 years before Jesus was even born. Because the Spirit, the Holy Spirit of Christ, was moving in the hearts of the prophets to write down those messages. God knew what the prophets needed to hear and to pass on to the people. And so the Spirit of Christ was at work then. These Old Testament, Old Covenant messages spoke and wrote of Christ's sufferings and the glories to follow or the subsequent glories. Now I want you to just think about that phrase for a minute. Christ's suffering and the subsequent glories. Notice the order there. Very important. Suffering followed by glory. That was the pattern of Jesus' life. He came into this world perfect as he was and endured all 
kinds of suffering. Much, much more than we can even, I think, imagine. Emotional suffering, physical suffering, mental suffering, spiritual suffering, you name it. Climax, of course, by his death on the cross for our sins. But then what happened? Glories followed. He was glorified when God raised him from the dead and descended into heaven. And he's there now in his glorified body, sitting at the right hand of God, as we just said in the Apostles' Creed. Sufferings followed by glory. That was not only the pattern for Christ's life, it is the pattern for all who would follow Christ in their lives. That means you and me. We should expect sufferings, not just the common sufferings that everybody encounters with sickness and death and, and all other kinds of issues that we have that non-Christians have too, but more specifically, the sufferings that we encounter because of our fidelity to Jesus, where we refuse to compromise biblical principles, no matter how popular it might be to do so in our world. So we need to be prepared for the reality. Don't think that when you become a Christian that life gets easier. In many ways, it gets harder. But all of that is a part of God's work in us. And we have to remember the sufferings will be followed by glory. The glory of our death taking us immediately into the presence of Christ. Where there will be no more sufferings and persecutions and trials and difficulties. No more sins. No more failures, no more health breakdowns, no more surprises, no more uncertainties. And on we could go with that. Heaven, sufferings followed by glory. Look, <clears throat> if you know what's in store for you, you can endure a whole lot more than you would otherwise. That's true in a lot of ways in life. But this is the ultimate thing. As long as we remember the glories that are promised us, that this is not the end of the road when we go through hardships and trials in our Christian living, then we know that, that it's going to be okay. That God's going to care for us because he has this plan for what's coming next. And so he's telling us, telling, the prophets are telling the people that, and Peter wants his readers to understand that as well. Now, the purpose of the prophets must be kept, what we must keep in mind is that there's some limitations here with the prophets. The prophets didn't understand everything that they preached. Now, I know that sounds scary because you may be thinking, well, Jim, you don't know everything, understand everything you're talking about either. No, I don't. I don't know that anybody fully understands everything that could be found in even one verse of the Bible. In any one verse of the Bible, we can adequately understand it. We can truly understand it, but we probably haven't grasped all the implications of it and the richness that's found there, which is one of the beautiful things about studying the Bible. So what he's saying here is that in verse 11, at the end of verse 10, really, he said that the prophets searched and inquired carefully 
inquiring what person or time the spirit of Christ in them was indicating when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the subsequent glories. The prophets were preaching this message of the coming Messiah, but they didn't grasp, they couldn't grasp all that that was saying because it hadn't happened yet. And so there was this limited knowledge and understanding that they had. Daniel, just to give you one example, in Daniel 12, verse 8, Daniel says, and I, I couldn't understand what the Lord was telling me. <laughs> See, God tells the prophets things, and the prophets don't just instantly have it all figured out. Look at what it says here. They were, they were inquiring. They were searching. They were, they were seeking to better understand what God was re revealing to them in the messages he gave to the prophets. And so they came to a partial understanding. One writer put it this way, the unfinished story of the Old Testament begged for an ending. What is all this information God has given us here under the old covenant that hasn't been fully revealed to us? There needs to be a completion of the story. You ever read a book like that where it just doesn't end right? And, and you read it and you think, wait a minute. How does this character turn out? You know, how does this story uh, com get completed? Well, this is sort of the dilemma that the Old Testament prophets were in. Although the prophets and their audiences could understand adequately what the prophets were telling the people, they could not fully grasp everything that was going on. They believed it, they trusted God for their eternal well-being, and they looked ahead to the promised Redeemer. They looked ahead. Messiah had been promised. He's coming for their salvation, and they trusted God for that, and God blessed that. And we have to do the same thing when we read the Bible. We have to trust God with what we don't know, as well as with what he has helped us to know about his word, and we keep on studying it so that we can learn more with the blessing of God. Now, I want to bring out one practical thing here before we move to the other point. Please note that you do not have to understand the Word of God in order for it to be the Word of God. Let that sink in. You do not have to understand the Word of God in order for it to be the Word of God. We can't get into this subjective thing where it's not the word of God unless it really speaks to my heart. It's the word of God objectively, whether you have come to understand it or even partially understand it or not. Because the word of God, the grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of God endures forever. So keep that in mind because God's word is going to be there for you. It's not going to change. And as you apply yourself to learn it more and more, you will understand it more and more, and it will benefit you more and more. Now, look at the second part here. And it's all actually found in verse 11, I mean verse 12. The entire scriptures are God's provision for the benefit of his people now. The Old Testament was God's provision for his people then, but now you and I in the New Testament age 
have the entire scriptures. We have the prophets of the Old Testament, the apostles of the New Testament, who have provided us the word of God because they wrote down what God guided them to write. You might say, okay, look, we have the Bible. So what? We have the whole Bible. What good is this Bible for me now? And that's a good question. Let me answer it in, in two simple ways. We have all of God's word that we need. We have all of God's word that we need. And we need all of God's word that we have. We have all of God's word that we need. Look at the beginning of verse 12. It was revealed to them that they were serving not themselves, but you in the things that have now been announced to you through those who preached the good news to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. What the prophets told believers in the Old Testament, the apostles are now proclaiming to believers in the New Testament in the full measure of the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Notice it says they announced, they preached the good news of the gospel of Christ to them. All of God's revelation now is, is coming to a head, as it were, with the coming of Christ and his work to provide salvation for all who trust in him. It's all there. Paul told Timothy, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable Profitable. It's good for us. And of course, Peter in 2 Peter 1 talks about note that, that the prophets and the apostles were led by the Holy Spirit to write down the very words of God. It was Augustine, the fourth century uh, church uh, theologian, <clears throat> who said, and listen to this carefully, the Old Testament and the New Testament. He says the New Testament is in the old concealed and the Old Testament is in the new revealed. The New Testament is in the Old Testament but concealed and the Old Testament is in the New Testament revealed. Concealed, revealed. And so you see here how God was working and the differences of the Old and New Testaments. Dr. Ed Clowney said that because we now have had the gospel preached to us and the full fullness of God's word to us has come in its completed form, he said, and I quote, the least disciple of Christ is in a better position to understand Old Testament revelation than the greatest prophet before Christ came. You and I have an advantage that even the prophets in the Old Testament didn't have because we have seen the whole story developed and produced by the grace of God in his redemptive work for us. We have all the word that we need, but we need it all. We need all of God's word that we have. And that's why I love this little addition right at the end of our passage at the end of verse 12, <clears throat> he talks about the prophets preaching, and I mean the apostles preaching the good news. And then he says, 
things into which angels long to look. That's always been a fascinating little statement. It's almost like Peter just drops that on the end there. It's almost an afterthought. And, and it, you know, gets our attention. Things into which angels long to look. What is that about? Well, angels are different from human beings. Let's remember that. They're not created uh, human beings. They don't have bodies like we do. They, they are spirits. They are servants of the Lord. And God sends them to do, they're messengers. God sends them to do things that need to be done. And again, thinking about December and Christmas when we celebrate the birth of Christ, just think about how prominent the angels were when it came to the birth of Christ. When you read Matthew and Luke's versions of Christ's birth, angels are all over the place, announcing to the shepherds and so on. And uh, they're, they're serving the Lord in this very critical point in God's work of redemption, the coming of Christ into the world. But angels aren't redeemed sinners like you and I are. They cannot, they cannot uh, identify or fully appreciate, if I can use that word, I'll use it carefully. They cannot fully appreciate what, what it means to have been a fallen sinner in desperate need of forgiveness and the power to overcome our sin that only Jesus can give. And so they are sort of like outsiders looking in and peering, as it were, into the lives of people that the gospel was changing as they heard the message of Christ and responded to that in repentance and faith. God giving them new life. And the angels are just looking at that going, whoa. <laughs> and, and trying to grasp that as much as they can. It's the same kind of language, I think, that the prophets were using that we saw earlier. They searched and inquired carefully. They were inquiring. And here at the end of verse 12, <clears throat> the angels long to look. They want to see what's going on and try to <clears throat> grasp that more fully. Alistair Begg, a pastor in Cleveland, Ohio, author of many books, wrote a book that was titled, What Angels Wish They Knew. It sounds like that would be a very interesting book to read. The Bereans, Christians, were straining and, and inquiring as Paul preached the gospel in Acts 17, you know, uh, to see if these things were so, looking into the scriptures, examining, searching, inquiring carefully. And so must we. You and I should be characterized in this way. I'm a person who's constantly searching the scriptures. I want to know more. I want to know Jesus better. I want to know how to glorify God. I want to know how to live wisely. Just read a part of Psalm 119. If you want to start getting serious about Bible study, read through Psalm 119 slowly. And uh, it will get you going, I think. Now is a good time to evaluate your Bible study practices extensively by learning all that you can about the Bible. 
have a program to do that. You use your church resources. You learn about the Bible in church. If you go to a church where the Bible's not being preached, why are you there? Because that's one of the major purposes of worship is to hear the word of God proclaimed and Christ's gospel set forth. Use your worship time, use your group Bible studies, classes, and intensively you can do this on your own through your personal Bible reading and study. Have a plan for reading the Bible. You don't use the flip and dip method, you know, where you just flip the Bible open and put your finger on a verse. That's not a good idea. Um, you need to systematically learn the whole of Scripture. There's no one plan, but you need to have a plan. Use study helps. You see what Peter is telling his readers and us is that we will not be equipped to face the sufferings and temptations that we'll, we will experience if we do not know the Word of God very well. Where would you and I be, in other words, without the Bible? Sometimes, practically speaking, we are without a Bible because we don't use it much. Maybe some of you do, maybe some of you don't. We're all at different levels, it seems. But we all need to intensify our commitment to study the Scriptures so that we can be equipped and be able to glorify God even when hard times come. And God, by his grace, will enable us to do that. Let's pray. <clears throat> Father, we thank you that you give us all that we need for wisdom and knowledge in your rich, precious word. It's like a, a gold mine where we can, the more we dig, the more that we can claim. And we pray, Lord, that we would truly be a people who not only believe the Bible is your word and that it is sufficient, but that we will actually regularly study it and absorb it and apply it and live it. Give us, Lord, that hunger and that commitment that we need to be a people of the book. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.